Today's episode is brought to you by BuiltBar.com. everybody welcome back to the locked on red wings podcast today is friday august 14th 2020 and i'm your host detroit sports writer nolan bianchi happy friday everybody uh we've got some more draft profiles for you guys today featuring tony woolock from the hockeywriters.com uh today we're going to be looking at a couple of german prospects for the upcoming nhl draft jj paterka and lucas reichel couple of second round targets that the Red Wings might be looking at. As we've mentioned before, they do have an abundance of picks in that second round. So there's going to be a lot of ground to cover when it comes to these second round draft profiles. And uh, Tony does an excellent job of walking us through everything you need to know about these two German forwards. Uh, On Monday's episode, just a quick programming note, Monday and Tuesday, actually, we're going to be doing Locked on Red Wings Jeopardy. We've got Savvy. You might remember him from the uh, retro equipment draft. We've got E.G. Slayer. You might remember him from the D-Boss video. That's an episode for another time. We'll get into that later. Uh, and then our friend Q, uh, who's just an all-around silly guy. We're looking forward to it. Whoever comes out on top will be back. And in three weeks, we're going to have two listeners on to, uh, to join us. So uh, if, you, if you like the episode, if you enjoyed the episode, if you think you'd be good at Lockdown Red Wings Jeopardy, uh, shoot us a text, shoot us a DM, shoot us a Twitter message, whatever it is, not a text. You don't have my phone number. Uh, and if you do, I mean, go for it. Uh, but I would like it to become a recurring thing. It's going to be a long off season folks. And I'm hoping that every three weeks or so we'll play another round of lockdown Red Wings jeopardy with the winner continuing to go on. So be on the lookout for that. Subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you love, share this podcast with somebody that loves you. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you there. But for now, enjoy the episode with Tony Wolick. Fedorov gives him the business. So we're here with uh, Tony Wolick from thehockeywriters.com. He covers the draft, uh, the offseason agenda, pretty much everything. You do it all over there at thehockeywriters.com. The last time we spoke, you went over Swedish defenseman Emil Andre and Canadian forward Carter Savoy. But you're joining us today to talk about a pair of Germans, winger Lucas Reichel and J.J. Paterka. But before we do, though, I, I, I'm kind of interested just about the state of German hockey. What's with the explosion of like kind of really intriguing talent that's come out of there within the last you know five years? It is it is pretty interesting to see. Um, you know, you have Moritz Seider, you have Dominic Bach, who's in who's with the Carolina Hurricanes organization now. Um, and now this draft, you have Timmy Stutzel, uh, Lucas Reichel and J.J. Paterka there is quite a bit of talent coming out of Germany, high elite talent. Um, you know, it wasn't that terribly long ago that Leon Dreisaitl was, was taken uh, as well in the draft. So, um, you know, who knows, maybe Germany will become a, you know, a hockey powerhouse in time, but 
Um, from what I understand, this all goes back to, you know, more N former NHL players moving overseas to Germany to, you know, pick up hockey. Um, and if you look at these players now, uh, you know, like, you know, you have Reichel, you have Paterka, you have Stutzel, and then Sider last year. So these players were all four, five, six years old uh, during the 2004-2005 lockout. And a lot of NHL players went overseas to, you know, play hockey during the season since the NHL wasn't operating. Um, you know, as kids, they got to see these elite players play in the German league um, that they otherwise wouldn't see. Um, and that I'm, I'm sure helped boost the game in Germany. And even as those players return to the NHL, you still, you know, in recent, you know, since then, and you've still had more players playing in the German professional league, just like they do in Sweden and Finland and Russia when, um, you know, they're at their, the end of their NHL careers. I'm really intrigued by the idea of just like, I mean, unfortunately it doesn't look like the Red Wings are going to get the chance to take Stutzla. Who knows? I mean, obviously a lot can change between now and then. And actually in our, in our conversation uh, with Tony Ferrari, that's going to be on next week's show. He kind of mentions how things aren't as set in stone as, as a lot of people are thinking because the European leagues are going to come back about a month, month and a half before the NHL draft. And, who knows what that month is going to do for people. But, you know, hypothetically, I was disappointed when, when the Red Wings couldn't have the chance at Stutzla because in my head I was just building up this idea of I was like, oh, in the 90s it was the Russians, in the 2000s it was the Swedes, and now the Red Wings are going to be on the forefront of another international breakout from Germany. That, I mean, it's still possible, you know. <laughs> but you're, you are right, and, and – uh, Tony Ferrari is right as well. Um, there is some recency bias that comes into effect with the draft. Um, you know, these uh, European leagues are going to have, you know, 10, 20 games that are played before the, the NHL draft takes place. So you're going to have, you know, a, a, a larger book on, you know, players like, like Tim Stutzla. You're going to have a larger book on uh, Lucas Raymond and Alex Holtz in, in Sweden. So you may see those players and then other, you know, lesser European players drafted higher than you'd expect maybe, you know, six months ago. Um, and it also depends on, you know, what happens with the Canadian junior leagues and where those top players go as well. If some of them move, move overseas to play professionally in Europe for a year, um, their draft stock may rise and may go down. Um, it's, it's interesting that, you know, uh, NHL scouts and GMs are just going to get these extra views at, at players that they normally wouldn't. All right, well, let's start with Lucas Reichel because he's projected to, to, you know, possibly be that second German off the board behind Tim Stutzel. What's your overview of him? So, yeah, uh, Lucas Reichel is a you know, very talented all-around offensive player for Germany. Um, and I say offensive player, but, you know, he's he's – a good all-around player. He's, he's strong uh, defensively as well. But, um, yeah, so last year playing in uh, Germany's professional league as an underager, he recorded 24 points in 42 games, 12 goals and 12 assists. So not too bad for, you know, a, a high schooler, more or less, uh, playing against men in, in Germany's top league. Um, he also put up five points in uh, the, the World Juniors this past winter. So, um you know, he, he can contribute offensively, but I, I think the one thing that really stands out for, for Reichel is his high hockey IQ. Um, 
he knows where to be to, you know, set up his teammates or get open. Uh, he makes elite plays. Um, he is, you know, just a really creative player with the puck. Oh, look who's back, everybody. It's BuiltBar.com. The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser than the Built Bar that they had before. Now, listen, they've got 18 amazing flavors with six new flavors. They've got caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And that's in addition to 12 original flavors that they are bringing back for you, the listeners, the fans of Built Bar. But regardless of what new flavors they have, we got one guarantee for you, and that's that the bars are going to be covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, great for the health-conscious guy or gal. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Listen, the bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. They're great for the keto diet. They're great for pretty much whatever diet you're going on because these grams of protein are because they're giving you grams of protein at almost no caloric cost. You want to check out the profile for the, uh, the coconut almond or the cherry barcia? Let's go with the cherry barcia. They've got 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Are you kidding me? Where else are you going to find that? And not, and not for nothing, but you simply cannot find protein bars at the price that you're going to be getting when you go to builtbar.com you go to the gas station you grab a cliff bar you grab whatever uh you go out up to the counter you toss it on there and they say hey that'll be an arm and a leg and then you have to go on the rest of your day without two of your extremities because of the fact that you wanted to buy a protein bar that seems kind of counterproductive to your health so go to builtbar.com right now and you'll get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last this will only last for about a week so get there right now uh, and use the promo code locked on to get ten dollars off your next order plus that free cooler with your purchase that's promo code locked on for ten dollars off and a free cooler need i say more guys what are you waiting for get there right now get your cooler get your ten dollars off and get your help kick on at billbar.com now, from from some stuff that I've been reading, uh, it seems like his talent is a little bit raw. Is that something that you would agree with? So I wouldn't say that his talent is raw. I, I would say physically he might be a little underdeveloped right now. And, and I mean, that's a lot of seventeen-year-olds are like that. So it's, sure. Or you know, he's eighteen now. Excuse me, but um, he, he needs to add some muscles to you know show he can you know compete against, you know, men in the, the North American leagues and, you know, European leagues, you're playing in a, a larger rinks. So there's a little bit more space uh, to move, move around and get open and not have the same one-on-one battles along the boards. Um, so, you know, like most prospects, he's going to have to, you know, put on some weight, put on some muscle and uh, you know, in time he'll be his, you know, he's going to be a talented player and he'll play in the NHL for sure. Um, he just needs to be strong enough to do so on an everyday basis. Now you touched on his high key IQ. You said he's, you know, a, a good player all around offensively, but what's the one thing he does with the puck that makes you go, Oh, look out. Um, I would say his, uh, his creativity with the puck. Um, so uh, 
So Reichel plays a finesse game. Uh, it, it's not to say he's soft, but uh, he, he's a more – he's got good hands. He, he's, he's slick with the puck. Um, just the creativity with the puck, with passing, with, you know, decisions, with shooting. I think that's where, he, uh, you know, his, his talent, uh, you know, is, is more, you know, elite than others. Now, some places I've seen him be labeled uh, a first potential first rounder, some a, a second. What are you looking to, or where do you think that he kind of belongs? Are you looking at him with that number thirty-two pick, or in the fifties, or kind of where does he project in your mind? If Reichel falls to the Red Wings at number thirty-two, they should absolutely pull the trigger. Um, not just to give Moritz Seider a friend from Germany, but <laughs> he has the offensive skill set. Um, and the the high level hockey IQ to be a probably second line you know player in the NHL and someone who can not only drive play but score as well. Now, where does he thrive the most? Is it in transition with that great skating? Is it more of his in zone offensive work? We talked about his creativity a little bit, but you know, just in the different three zones, where do you like him most? You know, I, you know, I don't know if I differentiate between the neutral zone and the offensive zone for Reichel. Um, he definitely has the, the shot the, and the vision to thrive in the offensive zone. Um, but I do think he is, uh, you know, a, he has good skating. He has pretty solid speed um, and has the finesse, you know, handsy, like attributes to his game where he could, you know, thrive and transition play up ice. So, um not to say his defense is bad, but I think if he has if he has the puck or his team has the puck, he's going to be dangerous. What's the biggest knock on him heading into this year's draft? You know, I've seen you know mixed reviews of Reichel. I've seen him as a potential first rounder. I've seen him late second round. I, I, you know, looking at you know how he's played in the games where I've been able to watch him. I don't really have much of a knock against him. He's a, he's a really talented hockey player. Um, he does everything good, or he does everything well. Um, he does, you know, there's a few things like his hockey IQ that's elite, and his, you know, vision, creativity is definitely up there too. I would just say that he just needs to, the knock on him would just be, he needs to add muscle just to show that he can, you know, play against you know players much much bigger than him now you already said that if you if he lands to the Detroit Red Wings at number 32 you wouldn't pass on him but uh if you're Steve Eisenman and and that pick comes on the 32 and Michael's sitting there is there a sin what's the scenario that they they do pass on him so if if Reichel falls to you know if he's available at the number 32 pick I can only see the Red Wings passing on him if there's another player on their board who is still available and they really did not expect that player to be available. Um, it could be someone just hypothetically like Hendricks Lapierre who could be drafted as high as say 15 or, or as low as, you know, 35. Um, if he's higher up on their board, uh, then, you know, they're lucky to have two great options available, but you know they're gonna have a big and they're gonna have a big book on both of them. So um, they'll just have to follow their list and go with the best player available. Uh, well, let's move into JJ Paterka. 
what's your overview on him and, and how does he stack up with Reichel on your big board? So uh, I would, I, you know, rank Reichel uh, higher than Paterka, but that's, it's not to say that, you know, he's much higher or anything. Um, I just think that Reichel's a little bit more polished. Um, in, you know, in limited minutes uh, in, in Germany's professional league, Paterka still scored seven goals and put up 11 points. Um, had six points and seven uh, world junior games. He, he's, I, w- I wouldn't call him a finisher or a pure goal scorer, but he's more of a scorer than a passer, if that makes any sense. Um, he knows how to get open in the slot. And, uh, you know, he's, he's shown some good chemistry playing with Germany's top players uh, over you know, the international tournaments. Um, you know, overall, I, I would say that he's got, got great hands. He, he drives to the net well, um, has good straight line speed, um, and is pretty strong on the puck, but uh, he doesn't have as much finesse and, uh, you know, vision. I, I guess doesn't have a, a, as strong a vision as someone like Reichel. Now, uh, J.J. Paterka, if you take him in the second round, is this a pick where you're kind of taking a bit of a swing where it's uh, you're you're going for upside rather than safety, or, or is it the other way around, or somewhere in the middle? So I'd say if you know if you're looking at Paterka with uh, the number thirty-two pick, you might be reaching a little bit there, and um, you know you you may take him there because of his high motor and his uh, you know explosive first step. Um, he's a skilled player, but you know someone like Reichel's a little bit stronger offensively. Uh, whereas if you get into the fifties and he's still available, that's probably a good range for him. You're going to get great value there. Um, you know, probably he's going to be, he'll probably be a, a solid, he'll be a great third line player, if not a decent or a good second line player. Um, you know, there's still plenty of time to develop, uh, but you know you can't take away the fact that like he scores goals, and whether that's in World Juniors or if that's you know playing limited minutes uh, over in Germany, um, he can score. Uh, it's maybe not a natural goal scorer like someone like Cole Caulfield, who's you know drafted last year, but uh, or or you know for the Red Wings, for he's not a pure goal scorer like Philip Sedina is, but. He can get to the net and he can finish. And, you know, the Red Wings could use more of that. What stands out to you about his two-way game? So Paterka's two-way game, uh, one thing that stands out is his high motor. Um, Regardless if he he has the puck or he's in the defensive zone, he's going to compete hard. And I I think, you know, while that's something you want everyone to do, um, people who do that consistently are going to, you know, be successful down the road. Now, in the offensive zone, you mentioned his great hands. Uh, he drives to the net well and his speed. But when, his, when he has the puck in, in the offensive zone, what's the most dangerous thing about his game? Uh, he can get to the net. So that's, that's, that's the other side of his high motor is if he has the puck around the net, he can you know, get himself into a, a good spot um, and uh, you know, get a good quality shot on net. Um, that you know also in the offensive zone if he if he doesn't have the puck he can find those soft spots in the defensive coverage to get open um he actually had a, a pretty solid uh you know exhibition series against switzerland 
he had a pretty solid uh, exhibition uh, series against Switzerland a couple of weeks ago. Um, he, you know, while someone like Lucas Reichel or Tim Stutzel will carry the puck around the zone and, and draw defenders to him, uh, Paterka can find that those open spots in the, in the defense and uh, be able to get a good shot on net or get a quality chance there. Um, I'd say his vision needs to improve when he has the puck. It's a little bit of tunnel vision versus, you know, looking to, to, to distribute the puck. Um, but that said, he, you know, he's still, a, he's still a talented player. So, um, you know, with more practice, more confidence in his game, you know, he might be able to slow things down a little bit and find his teammates more. You've touched on a couple times, or you've just referenced, you know, his play internationally. But when you've watched him on the national stage, whether it be at World Junior Championships or, or the tournament you were talking about recently, uh, what is the biggest thing that has stood out to you, and how has he performed at that level? Honestly, the biggest thing that stood out to me for Paterka is that playing against the world's best, whether that's from Sweden or Canada or the United States, he doesn't look out of place. Um, he, you know, he competes hard. He gets quality chances in the offensive zone. Um, for a team like Germany, who wasn't even playing at the top tier of world juniors, uh, the year before, um, you know, it was, it was, I, I don't know if it's surprising, but it, it was, it was nice to see that they played close games and looked like they belonged there and Paterka belonged there as an underage or two. So give him another year, give the, you know, the rest of these great German forwards another year to develop. And, you know, if we have this, a world junior tournament this winter, I'd be really, you know, curious to see how Germany does stacked up against, you know, Canada and uh, the U S and Sweden. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet has said that he has a, a, a good pro style game. Now, what does that mean to you? And, and how would you explain that to, to people? So I don't want to speak for Sam just on his, you know, how he views Paterica, but I almost see Just bear with me a moment on this comparison. Cause sure. it's we, all right. Justin Ablocator today is not the same player as he was 10 years ago. Let's just yeah. make sure that's we're, we're saying that up front. Okay. Yeah. So I, just I, ask I Ken Holland. Him, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I see him playing a similar game to a young Justin Applicator. Not exactly, you know, not when he was just riding shotgun to the Pavel Datsuk, not now, just when he was, you know, fresh out of college. You know, he he has a little bit of physicality, he has strength, he has he can compete against pros just based on athleticism. Um, and he can get to the net. Uh, and as you know, as you'll see with a you know with a lot of NHL goals the the goals are being scored in tight it's not off it's not always off of a transition play or a breakaway or a one-timer you know there's a lot of you know dirty goals that happen and he can get there and he can get the puck and he can put it in the back of the net what do you like about his shot i know that that's something that like has caught the eye of, of quite a few people but when you just look at is it his release it is is it his ability to find space before he releases or, or kind of what is it what I like about Paterka's shot and I guess his, his decision-making the offensive zone is he's able to find a place on the ice where he can get the puck on net. Um, whether that's, you know, in tight, whether he backs off defenders a little bit. Um, so I wouldn't, I, based on my viewings of him, I like 
the fact that he can, you know, get to those areas where he can get a good quality chance. Doesn't have to have the, the quickest release to get the puck on net, or it doesn't have to be the fastest shot for it to go in. It's just the right shot at the right time. All right, it's draft day. One of your one of your second or third second round picks, you're Steve Eisman. What's the biggest reason that you draft JJ Paterka? And what's the biggest reason that you pass on him? So if I'm Eiserman and I'm sitting there in the in the fifties with you know two draft picks, um, I'm definitely giving Paterka a long look for you know one of those picks. I'm taking him because he has a lot of great skill sets from his hands with driving the puck to the net, um, being a very you know strong athletic player, um, and being able to find those sweet spots in the offensive zone to get the puck on net. Those are all good skills to have, and that's going to translate well to the NHL. Um, as for passing on Paterka, um, I can I can see the Red Wings, you know, choosing another player who you know may have a little bit better vision than him, or uh, someone who's more of a, a driver of a line than someone who is more of a complementary player. Um, that said, if you're getting into the fifties, the and then it maybe even I don't think he'll fall to the third round, but you're getting late into the second round. He's still there. That's tremendous value, and you, you're going to want to pick him there. There's an old man sitting next to me, making love to his tonic and gin. <laughs> that will do it for today's episode featuring Tony Wolick from thehockeywriters.com. You can again follow him on Twitter at Tony Wolick. Go check out his stuff. He covers. Uh, a lot of things within the Red Wings organization, not only at thehockeywriters.com, but also on his Twitter account. Just a good Red Wings follow. So uh, go there right now. We'll see you guys on Monday. Be sure to subscribe. Have Jeopardy waiting for you in your inbox when you wake up. It's going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait. I'm going to get my Alex back on. I'm going to be – I got to practice my uh, delivery voice. Like, uh, this superstar in 1984, uh, you know, stuff like that. So – Uh, I can't wait. We'll see you guys there. Have a great weekend, and uh, thanks for listening, as always.